God is good, isn't he? He's better than that. <laughs> He's better than that. He sure is. Thank you, most reverend Pastor Paul Dyer. The Church of God, what we believe and why we believe it has stood the test of time. Our 14 statements of faith, our articles, declaration of faith, were established in 1948. That's 75 years ago. This church, I found out today, is 102. So... Any charter members still here? <laughs> I know there's second and third and fourth generation folks that are still here, but uh, we believe I was born on a Sunday in 1955. My mom took me to church on Mother's Day. It was my first Sunday in 1955, two weeks after I was born. I've been attending the Church of God since. And Article 3 is what we're going to discuss tonight. I'll read it here in just a minute. But Article 1, Pastor Dyer spoke about few weeks ago, I think when we started this journey in January, and it's got seven words in it. Brother Bill Whitty had the second article, and I think it has 15 words in it. Article three has, I think, 50 words. So we can get through word five or six, can't we, Joan? But uh, article one says, we believe in the verbal inspiration of the Bible. Bible means the book. It's the book. Article 2 says we believe in one God eternally existing in three persons, namely the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Article 3, and there's 14 of them. I won't read all 14 of them tonight because we'll get down into some of Brother Marvin Lonas and Steve Payne's uh, teaching toward the end. But Article 3 says, We believe, and it's more than a mouthful. It's El Shaddai. It's more than enough. It's our strong-breasted one. Our more than enough God. It says, we believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father, conceived of the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary. 
that Jesus was crucified, buried, raised from the dead, that he ascended to heaven and is today at the right hand of the Father as the intercessor. One of our scriptures in this lengthy but very much all-encompassing article of faith is in Second Chronicles, Chronicles, Second Corinthians. Sorry, Paul writes to the church of Corinth in chapter five and talks about reconciliation. And just after those verses is verse 20. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20 says, Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ. I am an ambassador for Christ. Now, I was employed and worked with Blunt County Schools for 43 years. And during that time, I was an ambassador for Blunt County Schools, public schools. Whether I was at Eagleton, William Blunt, Heritage, wherever I was, I was an ambassador for public education and Blunt County Schools. I'm not against any private education or any other school systems. I pray for our schools every day our homeschoolers, all the different schools that go on. But you, when you are at your work, you are supposed to be loyal and be an ambassador to that company. That doesn't mean that you agree with everything they uphold and everything that they do. The church of God... We are ambassadors for Christ, and we're also ambassadors for the church of God. He goes on to say, after now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. See, I was the one that messed up. I was the one conceived in sin. I was the one of vapor, of few days and many sorrows, many troubles. But yet, God has called me as an ambassador of reconciliation as an ambassador for Christ in Christ's stead. Now, the book of Hebrews is written to the Hebrews. Now, as some of my students will know, the Israelites was the nation. The Israel, Israel is the nation. Jewish is the religion. And Hebrews is the language. And we interchange those many times in what we do. But 
the Lord's Prayer is actually the disciples' prayer. The Lord's Prayer is in John chapter 17 where he prays to God for unity. And in verse 17, John 17, 17, he says, Sanctify us through thy truth. Thy word is truth. But when Jesus said he's on earth and he's walking and living and breathing, and he says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, and you know it, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Not just that physical bread, but that spiritual bread, that manna. And forgive us our trespasses, our debts, as we forgive our debtors or, our, or those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's the disciples' prayer. Now, I lay this foundation because in heaven is the real thing. There is a tabernacle, there is a throne, God the Father, and seated at His right hand, ever living to make intercession for us. And not just for us, but Isaiah chapter 53, I think it's verse 12, says that Jesus made intercession for the transgressor. So He makes intercession for the transgressor and for the saved born again, joint heir with Christ. But he says, Father, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. The real thing is in heaven. Now when Moses went up in the mount, he gave Moses a pattern. He gave Moses a shadow of the things that are in heaven. He said, Moses, when you build a tabernacle, make it like it is up there. Now, a type in the Bible is an inadequate representation of a future truth. For example, the Passover is a type of Christ. Christ is the real thing. He is our true Passover lamb. A symbol is an inadequate representation of a present truth. Leaven or yeast is a symbol of malice and iniquity and sin. So when we have the Seder meal and eat the matzah bread with the compressed or the squeezed bread with no bubbles, no yeast bubbles in it. We're saying, hey, we're eating that bread with no sin. So as we 
Look at this article. Be reminded <clears throat> that there are types throughout the Bible. Manna was a type. The tabernacle was a type. The rock was a type. And like I say, the Passover was a type. But we see the patterns. We see the shadow of the good things to come. Christ is the real thing. It starts out saying Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father. That word only begotten Son is one of a kind Son of God. One of a kind. There is no other. Only begotten Son of the Father. This indicates that there is relationship with the Father and the Son. Pastor's been preaching and Billy's been teaching on Ephesians. And a couple of verses that we're going to read in Ephesians chapter 1, I know you've already heard it, but talks about the Father of glory and the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now if my notes get away from me, I'll chase them. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I want to jump a little bit ahead. But you know why Christ came. John says the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we received, received Him not. He came unto His own, His own received Him not. But Jesus was sent, according to Luke 19.10, He came to seek and to save me, that which was lost. Mark 10.45 says, He came not to be ministered to, unto, but to minister and give His life a ransom for many. For the whosoevers of John 3.16 and 3.17 says, God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Sudzoed, delivered. The same blood that saves you, heals you, and delivers you. But he sent Jesus to seek and to save those which were lost. To be a ransom. Hosea talks about him being a ransom. 
Acts 3 and 26, I don't think many take this or don't quote it as much. But Jesus was also sent to bless you. Acts 3.26 says, God sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. John, 1 John 4.14 says, The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 1 Timothy 1 and 15 says, Jesus, Christ Jesus, came into the world to save sinners. This is Paul talking, and he says, Of whom I am chief. Paul considered himself the chief or the highest ranking sinner because he persecuted the church. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verses 1 through 7 or 8 talks about the gospel. We'll probably get to read that sometime. And by the way, what I don't get to tonight, I'm going to depend on Billy, Pastor, and all these others that are coming after me to keep driving the points home. But down in verse 9, where he talks about the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, I am the least of the apostles. So here he is, he's the least of the apostles, which is down at the bottom rung of the apostles. And he was the chief of sinners. He was at the top of the list of the sinners. Psalms 103, verse 1 through 5. You know, God sent Jesus to bless you. But we are to bless Him. And we always sing, or we often sing during the 4th of July. We're coming up on 247 years. Not many nations make it that long. But we sing God bless America. But we are to bless God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Psalm 68. I better finish up with Psalms 103, verse 1 through 5. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Who healeth all thy diseases. Now these are the benefits that we're not supposed to forget. Don't forget that He's forgiven you of your sins. Don't forget that He's healed you physically and spiritually and mentally. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercy. That loving kindness word in the Hebrew means blood covenant. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies so that thy youth is renewed as the eagles. Now, you go back to Psalm 68, verse 19 and 20. 
And all this has to do with Article 3, by the way. He says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth with his benefits, even the God of our salvation. Selah. Pause. Ponder that a little bit. Then he goes on and says, He that is our God is the God of salvation. And unto God the Lord belong the issues from death, the escape from death. So, forget not all his benefits. He daily loads us with benefits. And not just a eyedropper full, not just a bucket, not just a wheelbarrow. But if you can think of the biggest dump truck you can think of, full of blessings, he daily loads us with the blessings and the benefits. Jesus has relationship with the Father. And you'll notice in the Trinity, Bill talked about the Trinity a couple of weeks ago, but before Jesus was made flesh and dwelt among us, the incarnate Christ, 100% God and 100% man. The prophets were sent, and they would say, you read it, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. When Jesus came, what did he say? Verily, verily, I say unto you. Because he was, he is, He shall always be the Lord. So, but you'll notice through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there's so many types and symbols throughout the Bible. But you'll notice that when Jesus speaks, he always gives honor to who? Abba, his dad, his father. His heavenly Father. He talks with His Father. Father, forgive them. And He says, Without the Father, I can do nothing. And He gives glory to God the Father. When Jesus ascends into heaven and the Holy Ghost came on the day of, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, The Word says that the Holy Ghost testifies of Jesus. So, the Trinity, they honor each other. When Jesus was on earth, He kept pointing everybody to God the Father. When the Holy Ghost is here, He, He, the Holy Ghost, points us to Jesus. So, So much wealth and riches in this Word of God. Incarnation is the union of God and man. The Son of God had no beginning. 
He was with the Father in the beginning. If you can say time starts here and time ends here, look where, look where time starts and before that time was God. God was. I mean, you can't go back far enough. You can't go forward far enough. Eternal past, eternal future. <clears throat> and in my finite vernacular mind and in all of ours, God is actually incomprehensible. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Even though I'm here in Maryville, Tennessee, he can be in Abilene, Texas. He can be in Los Angeles. He can be with all of our family members, our military family, every one of us at the same time. What's the word say? I have not seen, ears not heard, neither has it even come into our thinking the things that God has prepared for us, for those who love Him. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 is the Christmas story, the crucifixion, Article 3, all wrapped into, up into one. And it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, Received up into glory. Christ was born on this earth to the Virgin Mary. I think Isaiah chapter 7 maybe. Verse 14 talks about the Virgin. Did you know that it is scientifically impossible for a virgin to have a baby. But one did. The Word says that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. We could spend a lot of time right there. But Jesus had relationship with his Father. The Holy Spirit had a part in it. Jesus completed the work. He completed the task, task plural that was set before him to seek and save those that were lost, to bless us, to be the Savior of the world, for the whosoever 
believeth should not perish, but have everlasting, eternal life. So the Holy Spirit overshadowed the Virgin Mary. And you know in Matthew and in Luke where the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary and the angel spoke to Joseph and says, don't be afraid or careful to take Mary to be your espoused wife. But the cloud, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Just like, well, a type of the cloud overshadowing the tabernacle. The cloud of fire by night, pillar by day to separate the Israelis or the Israelites from the Egyptians. The word says that there were over 600,000 men of war. When you get to calculating, it probably ends up being over 6 million people. Do you know in the state of Tennessee, in the last year there were 7 million people, residents in the state of Tennessee. In the metro Chicago area, there's almost 9 million people. But I can't imagine exodusing or exiting Egypt with millions of people and their livestock and their belongings and the things they took with them. I, it's, but let me encourage you. Do not tell. Don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big your God is. When my eyes are not on Jesus, I get caught up in all the garbage that's going on around me. This world is a sinful, sin-laden world. When you get in your vehicle and you drive home or the, wherever you're going, if you don't see at least one example of road rage, there's so much anger and malice and bitterness and sin in the world. Jesus paid the price for all of us and all of our sin. If we get to it, I believe when Jesus hung on the cross, that he wasn't actually hanging on the cross, but he was holding up the cross. And the entire world, with his stretched out arms, even though he was nailed to the cross, I think he was the one holding it up. Anyway, I'm... I'm sort of weird. I ponder, I wonder, I think different things, I guess.
at the transfiguration. Remember when Jesus got covered by a cloud and when the disciples looked up after Peter made his Steve Moser statement by saying, oh, Lord, it's great for us to be here. Let's make a tabernacle for you and for Moses and Elijah. Let's make a tabernacle for all three of you. But the cloud overshadowed him and said, oh, hear him. When they opened their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. At the Jordan River, when John the Baptist baptized him, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the spirit, like a dove, descended upon him. So, as we study, as we read, as we look at Article 3, there's no meaningless details in the Bible. There's a place, and there's a time, and there's a... The Bible interprets the Bible. The Bible will lead you to other things in the Bible. You may be reading a scripture in Ezekiel. Oh, yeah, I remember that. It was sort of like what happened in Judges. Or, hey, Malachi reminds me of something that happened in Romans. Jesus was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. All these impossibilities. How many times it say, Jeremiah said, is there anything too hard for God? Gabriel told Mary, he said, with man this is impossible, with God all things are possible. So, the celebrations that we have, we ought to be singing Joy to the World every service. We ought to be singing He Lives every service. Christmas, Easter songs, songs of praise and worship. I love our praise and worship team. They do a great job of helping the atmosphere be an atmosphere of praise and worship. Christ's birth in itself was a miracle. His incarnation, his coming to this world and made flesh was a miracle. The cross and the atonement says that Jesus was crucified. 
over in Corinthians. See if I can get back to it without losing. Oh, I got to get back here to Second Corinthians chapter five too. All right, I'm dependent on you folks to continue to pick up the scripture. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verses one through eight, talks about the gospel. And of course, I think it's Romans that says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation. But here it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you've also, also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed... In vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, that he was seen of Cephas, Peter, and the twelve. After that, he was seen of more than 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part is still present, walking on this earth, but some are falling asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen by me, Paul, one born out of due time. So the gospel is that Jesus was born, he lived and walked this earth and ministered, and he was crucified, and he was buried, and he rose again, and that he ascended And Jesus is right now at the right hand of the Father. Romans 8, I think 34 says, making intercession for us. Hebrews 7.25 says that he ever liveth to make intercession for the saints or for his people. Like I referred to a few minutes ago, Isaiah 53 verse 12 says, he was a transgressor or he was an intercessor for the transgressor. You and I. Bottom line, we are to be like Christ. Steve's not the standard. Don't say, well, if Steve's going to heaven, I know I am. I'm better than him. Yep, you are. Christ is the standard. And in Romans, the word says, what to put on, put on, put on, put on. What to put off, put off malice, put off all these things. Put on Christ. And as we put on Christ, and as we get in his word, you know how you get to know somebody? I know James Stephen Payne. But I don't know him as well as I could if I spent a lot more time with him. You might know Jesus, you might know God, you might know the Holy Ghost. Spend some time with them. In prayer, in reading the Word. And a lot of times when I empty myself of all my forgive me for this and bless this and touch this and heal in this situation, 
After that, I'm not done. That's when you actually start your prayer. Because you've got to say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, I'm going to shut up that. There's been times, and probably in your life too, that when I speak, I hurt or kill the anointing. Whereas if I just keep my mouth shut, the Holy Ghost will overshadow me. And I have found, I was going to say Paige, but she's moved on me. I have found that if you don't have any problem or trouble in your prayer closet, you won't have any trouble or problem in corporate worship. Christ is our all in all. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, is all in all. Christ was crucified for our salvation, for our deliverance, for our hope. And the word says that what you have is not hope because you've already got it. But our lively hope, our hope of glory is in Christ Jesus. My, my. Time flies when you're having fun. And let me tell you, the more you pray, the more you pray. The more you read the Word, the more you read the Word. The more you chase the Spirit, the quieter the flesh gets. Lord, help me feed the Spirit and starve the flesh. He's our deliverer. So much I still want to talk about, about our sins, though they were many. Christ died for them all. Don't ever think that you've gone too far. Let me tell you, when you read about Jesus and about the tabernacle and about the shadows and the patterns that were set up on earth to give an inadequate representation of the things that are going on into heaven. It can get you. It can touch you. It can convict you. When I think, oh, what a good boy am I, mm, 
I need to yield. I need to submit. I need to surrender. I need to humble myself. David encouraged himself in the Lord, the Word says. <laughs> One scripture said, he was perfect in everything he did except for two things. Two of the top ten. Murder and adultery. But anyway. Now let me tell you. First John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Jesus is more powerful than Satan. Jesus will make a way where there's not a way. If he can bring six plus million across the Red Sea on dry land, I mean, my brother, we played golf the other day and the water had gone down and he went down to get a golf ball. I said, Brother, I'll give you a $3 ball because when he's coming back out of the pond, he's slipping and sliding. But if you can imagine the ground being crusty and dry like it is in the summer and in the desert. And then, <laughs> the Egyptians getting drowned. Jesus is the triumphant one. God was in Christ reconciling us back to the Father. Atonement means the making at one. So we were separated in Christ. God was in Christ reconciling us back to the Father. I've got a few more pages of notes, but let's finish with reading 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the verses leading up to where I read. Verse 14, verse 14 said, and this whole Bible is great, but verse 14 of chapter 5 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. The word, that word constraineth means arrested. The love of Christ arrested us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And he that died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... See... Let me tell you, Christ in you, you can face the devil and the world. You in Christ, 
You can face the Father. You can go to the, to the throne of grace. But he said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us, he's given to me the ministry of reconciliation. Ezekiel said it like this. I think it no, it was Jeremiah. Chapter 8, I think, verse 22. Is there no balm in Gilead? Balm was a healing salve. Gilead was a place of worship. Is there no healing in worship? There is. But we're to be reconciled. We're to be like Christ. We're to be intercessors because He intercedes for us. Because He reconciled us back to Him. We're to reconcile each other back to us. Let's pray, saints. Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. You're our strength. You're our renewal. You're everything to us, dear Lord. May many souls be won as a result of the teaching of these articles of faith and by the prayers of intercessors, which is our duty to intercede for one another. In Jesus' name we pray, by the blood of the Lamb and the Word of God. Amen and amen. Pastor, you know I didn't get finished, but... Thank you, sir. That's probably one of the... Um, uh, when, you, when you start talking Article 3, you're talking about Christology, our study of Christ, and, and uh, we could go on for days on, the, on our study of Christ. And you get into atonement, and you could talk about the various views of atonement, whether it be... Uh, substitutionism or, you know, the, yeah, or, or Christus Victor or, or, or there's, there's four major views of the atonement and there's a lot of doctrine that uh, we are skimming and uh, wish probably should take about four nights on just Article 3. But anyway, um, some of you guys who have um, the five-word versions, <laughs> articles, you should have it maybe a little easier. But anyway, uh, it's so important for us to know what we believe and why we believe it. Our world, our young people, our churches. I had a gentleman literally last year from this church in their 60s come to me and say, Pastor, how do I explain the Trinity to someone? And, and, and rightfully, look, the Trinity is difficult. I get that. But someone who's been in a church for over 30 years that still has a struggle of how do I share what the Trinity means. It lets me know that, hey, guys, we can be in a church of 30 years, 50 years, two years. We still have room to grow, and we still have a foundation to build. And, you know, for me, I was just telling uh, the staff this morning that for us, for me, one of the key factors of defining a healthy church is how discipled are we? Do we have a good discipleship plan? Do we have a good process of knowing what we believe and why we believe it? And that is why we are spending the time. I appreciate our young people being patient. Uh, I know that this is a challenge for you guys, you know, not to be in your uh, habitat. But, um, 
but knowing that we are digging a foundation of God's Word and His truth. And I pray that you'll just continue to be patient with us as we grow um, and look forward to hearing all of you guys um, when it comes your night. And um, praise God. Love you guys. Um, Look forward to seeing you Sunday. Pastor um, McGarity will be preaching Sunday morning. Um, There are 24, I think it is, or 23 couples that are heading to uh, the marriage retreat. Uh, some of those will be trickling back in Sunday morning, but anyway, it's going to be a it's going to be a good time. Y'all pray for me. I've got to put up with some of these couples. <laughs> anyway, no, it's going to be a good good time. So, Brother McGear to be uh, sharing in the Word, and and Lord willing, the next Sunday I'll jump back into Ephesians. Um, what the Lord is stirring is Ephesians chapter three, verse ten, is where I'll be kicking off. And um, uh, so, hey, I'm excited, guys. Y'all good? Amen. Love every one of you guys. Um, Be blessed.